who will survive? How's it going, everyone? Joe Gagne here, welcoming you to edition number, I think, 68 of Joe vs. the World. The year 1994 and the WWF will not be covered at this time. No, the reason for the season today is WrestleMania, uh, specifically the last six of them. Longtime fans may remember episodes 45 through 46, where we broke down the first 22 WrestleManias. Here we are five years later, and we figure it's about time to catch up. So joining me now, as it did back then... First up, a frequent contributor to the Dr. Keith Presents show and the host of the Just, of the Justin Shapiro show. It's Mr. Justin Shapiro show. How's it going? Hello. We're on my show, right? Not yours. I always envision my show as like an in-your-house for the CubsFan.com premium subscribers that set up and lead into your big quarter annual shows. Oh, okay. So you're like um, Beware of Dog, mm-hmm. maybe without the technical problems. Um, my SummerSlam. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You're my. I see uh, myself as an in your international house of pancakes. <laughs> also joining us is an infrequent contributor to Doctor Keith Presents and a man who doesn't have his own show because he's two-time guest to the Shapiro show. Oh, there you go. Well, that's okay then. And uh, he's okay by me. It's Mr. Matt Feuerstein. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, uh, I like two things. First, that Justin was so insistent that his show would not be called the Justin Shapiro Show, and now it's just the Justin <laughs> Shapiro Show. And the second thing I like is that apparently, how's it going, everybody, is the only acceptable way to open up wrestling yep. podcasts or radio shows now. It is. I, I ripped that off a long time ago, but it was so long ago, it's kind of my own thing, but not really, because I do it like four times a year, and Brian Alvarez does it about 300, so... And Dave Meltzer, of course, invented the phrase, yeah, how's it going? That's the old, okay. It's way past that. <laughs> well, I just watched all of Buffy uh, about a year and a half ago, so it's still fresh for me. I don't want to take us on tangents for what's going to be a ridiculously long show, but <laughs> I saw that the uh, the Wire guy told you, Matt, to fuck off and stop <laughs> He did. He's wearied. Uh, he's, uh, he's tired of the praise heaped upon his, mm-hmm. his show. Because you're all late to the game. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. People... The wire guy told me to fuck off? What? Uh-huh. Maybe not when personally, but kind of. What? When? This was in an interview with the New York Times, I believe. I well, found let's out... Let's, the... talk, let's, let's, let's talk about it. All right. Let me, pull up. <laughs> let me pull up the Onion AV Club here. Yep. Is the top story in their newswire, which means it's the most recent... David uh, Simon is my hero. Uh, he doesn't want it. Nope. He essentially says, this ain't sing along with the champ. <laughs> Even if you like it, you can go screw, because it's mm-hmm. all part of a big picture. Like, you can't judge it till it's all done. Exactly. Just like the higher purpose of the Nexus. <laughs> Wait, it, it is all done, isn't it? <laughs> Just like uh, Chris Jericho and CM Punk's programs. Is that, is that his quote? If you, if you Even if you like it, you could go screw? Uh, Not in so many words, but... Paraphrased. Yeah and get to the bottom of this. You there is no WrestleMania until we figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania is canceled. 
WrestleMania is a stark exploration of class and inequity. No, <laughs> I think they remember the one they showed before fifteen or sixteen, where it's like all the people of the world gather, even if you're in your car, you put on a pay-per-view broadcast of WrestleMania. I think those well, people lived in their car. <laughs> I, think, I think WWE is a microcosm of the decaying institutions that that make up modernity in the United States of America. It's very much a caste system. So. <laughs> Speaking of cars, the three yes, of us, Rick. we're in a car. We're on the road. Never mind. I think we're on a, we're in a boat. <laughs> we're on a boat to Cuba. I never thought I'd be on and the, uh, we're, we're, sail, we're sailing up the Mississippi towards Chicago mur, mur. for extreme rules. And Remember in the judo episode from four years ago when we got tugboat on, and he was like, "I'm a fucking tugboat <laughs> as a living boat, as a human boat." Yeah. Uh, I thought we would go guys, to a- guys, 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 guys. Tugboat, tugboat was not supposed to be a boat. Let's just clarify that he's supposed to be a man who liked boats. <laughs> I think you're <laughs> the source. I think you're rewriting the source material, Matt. Uh-huh. Yep. You should go back and review. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, David Simon and Joe Gagne as showrunners. Fucking sick <laughs> of it. No, I, I think, won't. Uh, David Simon. David Simon was very tightly scripted and knew exactly what he was. He wanted to say, and Joe Gagne doesn't know anything. We're the more Larry David. We have an outline, but kind of uh-huh. everything approach. Uh-huh. <sighs> also, my general hatred for all of mankind. But um, yep. No, I have a discussion question to start with. That's why it's Joe oh. versus the world. <laughs> That's right. Now, so it's like, is this like our do now? So now you're the teacher? In a way, yes. All right. All right. Uh, when I was going over, All forward. when I was going over these last, uh, six WrestleManias, I had a real hard time remembering what happened at which WrestleMania. Well, one through 20, I rather burned in my mind. Do you think the, the concept got somewhat homogenized for a bit? I mean, they had, they had that formula. They had a big, Stadium setting, you had a Money in the Bank match, Undertaker streak match, and a title mm-hmm. match involving John Cena, Randy Orton, Triple H, or all three. It's not to say the shows are bad or just samey, or are there just too many WrestleManias I can't keep track anymore? Matt, what do you think? Well, I think, I think that's true, but not starting at 23. I think more like starting at 25. I'd say the past four are kind of run together in certain ways because you have your epic Undertaker match. And then you kind of have a lot of crap, and uh, like I, I always um, was thinking. Well, not always, but let's say starting uh, a couple of days ago, I was thinking about this. Uh, I told Justin that I thought that WrestleMania 17 through 24 were sort of a golden age in a sense that no matter what was going on in WWE, you could pretty much count on a really good, memorable top to bottom WrestleMania, and then after that. It kind of, uh, they kind of lost it a little bit. There's, there was good stuff, but then also a lot of really bad stuff that you wouldn't have had to worry about during the quote golden era. Well, Joe, was your, not to get personal, but didn't you have a major <laughs> life event change? Was it in 2007? Uh, I got married in 08, had my first kid in 09. Oh, okay. I was going to say, those are the kind of things that can like muddy your brain, right? In a, guess in a good way, do. like priorities change a little bit. Well, Matt, you may have just given up on him at that point. 
Well, yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, I, that, I, I mean, the uh, the Benoit thing happened what four months after we recorded that show, and always in my oh, most shit. embarrassing moment, I talked about on that first show about how WrestleMania 20 was a real moment where you know the good guys really won. And it was like, oh man, oh, I'm I'm a stupid, stupid little boy. And thank God they did what they did to Daniel Bryan this year. Then, <laughs> yeah, saving exactly. both their lives. Um, yes, I mean, should we address the stuff we brought up at, at the end of the 2007 show? Do you guys think, okay, should Samoa Joe be brought in to end the Undertaker streak? Yes or no? <laughs> Never said that. Uh, yeah. I was, but I was thinking it. <laughs> no, you're both right. I mean, that, it's like the seven guys, um, Cena Batista, Triple H, Undertaker, but, uh, Edge Orton and Shawn Michaels. Like, for four or five years, it was just, like, them in different combinations. Mm. But, um, no, I think what screwed up WrestleMania was when they, like, just couldn't figure out the time anymore. Um, <laughs> I I guess, well, as we go year by year, we'll be able to pinpoint exactly when that happened. But uh, at a certain point, they just, like, they were like, what minutes? Oh, it's too much. <laughs> it, it just, it's just unfathomable to me that they could have these, like, really tightly booked 11 match WrestleManias where every match gets, or almost every match gets enough time, and now they can't figure out how to put Seven eight matches, matches. <laughs> yeah. in four hours. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's confusing. But, um, no, I mean, still, I would say really only one or two big hiccups there, but considering they had a streak of excellence that was like Seven out of eight years, or something like that, and then yeah, you can say maybe the good times stop rolling to some extent. All right, we'll start by giving thoughts on a show we previewed five years ago. All right, Justin, fill in the blank. This is the longest resolution to a cliffhanger since blank. Um, since the Sylvester Stallone movie Cliffhanger. Oh no, we were looking for the end of Alf. <laughs> very close, very very close. Anyway, WrestleMania 23 from uh, Ford Field in Detroit. I think you can... This was the biggest pay-per-view of all time, and according to the Observer that came out today, the third biggest attendance of all time, if I'm looking at this chart correctly, and I am. So this was uh, this was quite a show, and there are eight matches on the show. Four of them are completely worthless, and uh, four of them are actually quite excellent. So where do you want to start? Justin, what, what, what do you think about this show? Um... I remember, I remember 22 was the one when I was like, oh, well, the awesome streak is over. And then 22, just like everything worked, crowd was great, handful of good matches. So with 23, I had come to expect greatness out of WrestleMania. And, uh, Matt and I, one of our go-to talking points is that the, uh, there are these periods leading into big shows over the decade where for some reason they just get really good for no, no real reason. And, and uh, starting with the the Triple H uh, injury that made them really focus on on Shawn Michaels, and uh, I don't know. I guess Trump must have drove a hard bargain. Like if I'm showing up, this booking better be tight, <laughs> or else you're fired. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, w- I was very excited for this show going into it, and my memories are nothing but lovely. Mm-hmm. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I this was. This- 
this was one of those things where both Raw and SmackDown were really good leading in because you had the um, kind of the renaissance of Shawn Michaels as a serious main eventer after the whole DX interlude. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, thank God Triple H is hurt because now yeah. Shawn Michaels can can <laughs> get the spot because we're all terrible people and we wish ill on people for our own entertainment. And um, and so it was like, wow, Shawn Michaels is going to be in the WrestleMania main event this year. So, man, that match is going to be the best match ever. And Undertaker for Batista, that match is going to suck. But, you know, <laughs> at least they had a really good buildup. And actually, it wasn't a really good buildup, but it was pretty good. And... Um, yeah, I think we were all in agreement that we were excited for that WrestleMania. And I thought it, it kind of changed the pattern of the previous few in that it wasn't like a lot of really good matches in a row. It was kind of like three good matches with a bunch of crap in between. But the three good matches were spaced out so that like each hour was really entertaining. And I thought that this was a really good WrestleMania to the point where it's, I think, almost underrated now. Mm. Yeah, Batista Undertaker is really good. I remember Matt, you posted afterwards. Like, I think that was my favorite match, and kind of that that surprise that you know a Shawn Michaels main event would be overshadowed by <laughs> two guys. I think in their forties at that point, but that's like a really super like big guy match. And not say they that, just go. Yeah, they they just went, man. That start that kicked off Undertaker's like amazing streak of wrestling. Like, he might be Mister WrestleMania now. Well, that's what I was actually going to say. That was going to be a quote talking point. Is that one of the big things? One of the big things that began at WrestleMania 23 was the Undertaker's kind of big match renaissance, and yeah, this really kicked it off. And I thought, I think what's interesting about this match is after um, every WrestleMania, you know, people always talk about this match wants to steal the show, wants to be the next uh, Savage versus Steamboat. And I think of any match in WrestleMania history, this one actually was sort of the most like Savage versus Steamboat, which is. Really strange to say, mm. but it was one of those like not you know it was like middle length matches you know like fifteen sixteen minutes, but it was just nonstop. Then a bunch of near falls. You know it wasn't like they did like the slow dr- dramatic builds. They just went out there and hit each other with a bunch of moves, and the crowd was going nuts the whole time. And then they went into their near falls, and then it just ended at a perfect time. And I thought it was just in terms of the way the match was paced, it was a lot like Savage versus Steamboat, only with a better finish actually. Hmm. Is there a cat? Yes, there is actually. Snickers T cat just hopped on my lap. She just want to do. She is joining us now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I um, what's funny about that is two things. One, I, I it's kind of lost just how bad Batista was after he came back from that whatever it was when Mark Henry sat on him. <laughs> Peck, yes. I assume his peck exploded again. Like he was bad all through that year, um, in, in like Booker T matches and things like that. And then just like Undertaker punched him, and he felt the power. And because uh, ever since then, Batista was just like capable of fine to sometimes very good matches. And the other thing I remember is how pissed they were that they didn't go on last, which is so funny because it's like. Who could make that decision before that match happened? Yeah. You do not think in retrospect they made it. I mean, you would think using forward thinking that they made a good choice. And, you know, what can you do? Well, let I me say when, that. Sure. Oh, <laughs> let me say I that. I will. Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels versus John Cena. Some people kind of talk about how that match was disappointing and stuff, but... I, at the time, I thought that was a really good match. Like, yeah, there was there were points in the middle where John Cena was just kind of like leaning on the ropes and like selling his leg. But 
that ma- people got really into the finish of that match, and I thought it was a perfectly worthy main event. So mm. it wasn't up maybe up to some of Shawn Michaels' other WrestleMania matches, but there was nothing wrong with putting that match on last, in my opinion. I don't think the show would have been different quality-wise if they had reversed the order. Yeah, I think that was the right call. I think it was like those matches are close to just as good, and um, it, it's like a really good like serious fight for a belt, which is uh, kind of a novelty in some ways. I just remember John Cena drove a race car into the arena that clearly he was driving and not <laughs> sitting in the passenger side and cut out. Clearly, he I, was I was I was just hoping that when he opened the door and c- came out, like you would sort of see him climbing over the guy who was sitting in the driver's seat. <laughs> didn't work out. I'd hope he would just come out the passenger side. <laughs> and um, It's that kind of driving that got him uh, rear-ended this year. <laughs> just reckless. Timely. Uh, I have to mention, Kane and Great Khali. The Great Khali actually won the world title later that year. A fact I thought had been kind of retconned out of existence until Michael Cole actually brought it up at this year's WrestleMania, but you never hear him referred to as a former world champion. And I think, I wonder if they were kind of like embarrassed by that, like, oops, shouldn't have done that. So, uh, didn't happen, everyone. Who do you think had the most definitive reign on team or of anybody in the GM match? Great Kali, Dolph Ziggler, or Jack Swagger? Uh, God. Kali won it in a battle royal. Uh, which is kind of funny. Well, I, I guess Jack Swagger at the remember that at all. Yeah, he did because he had because he actually had a reign. Yeah, he yeah. did. You did. People he don't had, remember this. He had he matches did. and things like that, right? <laughs> Dolph says they should not even go with the. No, I don't they know why they think like that makes him seem like he has a better resume. It would be like when he does win it, and he will because everyone does. It would mean more, but oh well. Yeah, and I should mention that this WrestleMania is noteworthy because it featured a match with the Sandman and Sabu and Matt Stryker. <laughs> yes, I, I had that written down. I said, no, both the fact that Sandman and Matt Stryker got to wrestle on pay-per-view, and many others did not. Not Rick just Blair. pay-per-view, WrestleMania <laughs> in front of like 80,000 people at the biggest pay-per-view of all time they must they probably made more money on that show than they made like the rest of that entire year combined probably the whole ecw run <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, it's it's pretty crazy uh, who else was on that oh let me look at the the new breed if you remember them new breed was Al- unleashed kevin <laughs> kevin thorne elijah burke right mm-hmm. uh matt striker and marcus kevin thorne's uh, girlfriend who batista fired for Ariel. Not, not being good at something. <laughs> yeah, Monty Brown got a WrestleMania payday. Wow. God, am I Elijah Burke? God, none of these guys are around. That is, and then the funny thing is, like, they had a rematch on ECW te- on Sci-Fi that was like really good hardcore match. Mm-hmm. Two days later. And also, great, um, those are, go ahead. Mine will be a great, awesome diversion. So you should get your minor point in first. Okay, I was gonna say that some weird pixelated blob wrestled MVP. <laughs> and it was it was all right, I guess. It was fine. It was more the beginning of what they were doing than the end, which was kind of somewhat surprising at the time. We thought, well, MVP will win and move on, but it turned into a multi-pay-per-view series, mm-hmm. which uh, revolting blob ended up losing. 
Uh, Money in the Bank Benoit continued. I had this like four star match with Edge right before he died. It was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Pay per view quality. Um, I just want to say before we move past Kali, like Great Kali had a, a fascinating journey to get to that match. Because if you remember, like one of the main events of this show was supposed to be Hogan versus Big Show, and later Hogan versus Great Kali to mm. recreate the Slam of Andre. And um, then he he like got drunk and read the names of the Hall of No. He put Vince's secretary on on who's that fat guy from Oh um Mancow um the worst one Oh uh Spongy Oh I'm <laughs> the love sponge yeah. <laughs> Um he put Vince's secretary on the air claiming he was drunk and not thinking straight and she discussed the Hall of Fame nominees and Vince was like, I'm never doing business with Hogan again. And for now, he hasn't. So um, that was actually supposed to be the Donald Trump match, I think. And then it went to Shawn Michaels. Or no, first it was going to be Shawn Michaels, Booker T in the hair match. And then when Shawn had to go in the title match, it was Hogan angled in on that. And then when Hogan was out, they went to Lashley, Kali... And then when they realized that would be terrible, they put the market <laughs> in for copy. So, what a wild adventure! And I then always, Kane. One final thing: Kane got the big spot where they slammed. He slammed Great Kali, and they showed it again in the show closing video, like it was. Evil. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always picture Hogan trying to slam Great Kali, and like Kali being so tall that he like hits the side of his head while he's being turned upside down, and he actually dies. Like the under, <laughs> like 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 that. Like oh, like God. like Hogan used to say, Andre died like right after that that match. Oh. So. What a shame this didn't come to fruition. Yeah. Uh, yep, it's drastically but, different. Speaking, speaking of, of the ba- oh, go ahead. Jinx. So many segues. <laughs> speaking of the battle of the billionaires, I sorry, uh, money. didn't mean to, didn't mean to money, uh, money, money, uh, money. Ho- money. You, but uh, that match. This guy thinks was- he has his own show. <laughs> <laughs> That match was unmemorable. <laughs> it was uh, Umaga and a l- large black gentleman who's the strongest I've ever seen. <laughs> ever Trump's quote was. What was you, funny at the time, everyone was like, you, good, good job you. putting in uh, young faces to build for the future. And Lashley was gone in the year, and Umaga was gone in like two. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, well. given that over, it would be like CM Punk against I don't even know who. But Well, not really, because I guess Punk's story is that he... Was always more over than his push until he finally had had enough. But oh well, it would have worked out well because like they wanted Ray to do it because he had a broken leg and they're just like just fucking do it <laughs> <laughs> as they always do. And that yep. didn't. They did that thing where Umaga destroyed him in San Diego. So it was like just do it. Who cares? Uh, You're an action figure. <laughs> Last thing is the uh, Money in the Bank. Um, it was a good one. There, there's somewhat hard to differentiate i actually watched all these in a row and me too damn yeah that that does seem numbing it is a little but um it's funny mr kennedy one speaking of retcons they kind of erase this from history because he he lost it to edge and and i don't i mean i don't like mr kennedy or mr anderson all that much but i just i feel so bad for the guy because yeah he first of all he's going to be he's going to win a world championship here until he got oops misdiagnosed and then just everything got fucked up and then uh he's going to be Vince's son and then nope sorry that got changed too and then he got fired and you would think had either of the 
previous scenarios happened, they would have certainly... He would have had <laughs> too much, like, put into him to just throw To just can him, yeah. I also feel bad because Brian Alvarez was so mean to him all the time. Just like he's mean to The Miz and Carlito. <laughs> Matt, your roommate was asking me during WrestleMania via text message to name all of the Brian Vendettas. <laughs> Were you talking about it with him during the show? Uh, I don't know. He named uh, those three, and then I chimed in Molina and original CM Punk. Hmm. Well, not original CM Punk, but well, you original, know. original yeah. WWF recipe. Yes, exactly. Um, but this was the last Money in the Bank match that was really like a main eventer kind of match because it had Edge and Orton mm-hmm. at, while they were team team rated RKO, and also the Hardys where and Jeff was kind of on the cusp of being a main eventer right then. And who else was in it? Was Booker T? Booker T was in it, right? Yep, Booker T. Finley was in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this will lead me to discussion question number two. Um, Money in the Bank on WrestleMania versus its own pay-per-view. And I know the Money in the Bank show the last two years has been, I think, the best WWE pay-per-view. Not not just because of, of ladder matches last year, but do you think it's... I, I, I prefer it at WrestleMania. I think it provides... It's always a good, entertaining match. It's always something different. And it gets a lot of different phases on the card, but maybe that's just me. Matt? Um, I, uh, I think WrestleMania really missed it the last two years. I mean, imagine how much better that would have been than the, uh, multi-man match we got at this year's WrestleMania. Uh, it, you know, it, it actually provides an automatic good match, which is a lot of times needed. And it can let certain guys shine in ways that they can if they're just in a crappy tag team match wearing a weird t-shirt. <laughs> so mm. I, I, I don't really see why there's any reason why they can't do the pay-per-view and have it at WrestleMania. Cause I mean, what's, I mean, what's the big deal? And that said, I feel weird advocating something where it's like people are putting themselves in excessive danger for not much of a reason, but it really does make the show a lot better, in my opinion. They're going to do it in July anyway. <laughs> Just let them let them fall. Yeah. <laughs> no, I echo that completely. Like I love both Money in the Bank pay-per-views, but I think it means more to win the briefcase here. It makes the show more interesting because it's another thing to talk about. And like Matt said, it utilizes the whole roster a lot better. Because I mean, what would what would have been better on this year's show? The twelve man, or like pick your eight appropriate guys from that match, and then last year they had like um, no suitable replacement for it. Right, the um, the co- big core tag match, and then the John Morrison Snooky match that went a minute, and then the Brian Sheamus match. Like if you just combine all those guys into a Money in the Bank, you'd have a, a much better show as well. So bank it is. But all right. It's not coming, even no. though they lied this year and said it was coming back. Jerks. All right. I think we're all done with uh, 23. Any other thoughts except the the curious all grown up uh, <laughs> ad campaign where the they're like a Muppet Babies version of WWE. That was odd. Uh, who was the girl? They was it like Baby Ashley or someone? Like that? <laughs> oh no! One day I'm going to be naked. <laughs> oh. Uh, t- two things I remember. One, Edge should have just like come back from the uh, when they wheeled him out and just grabbed the briefcase when everyone else was dead because he's the ultimate opportunist, and then he could have been undefeated going into the Undertaker match next year. Mm-hmm. And Molina Ashley 
happened. It yes. Was, was this the first year? Oh no. I think maybe the um Sable and Tori were naked together was the first year they started doing WrestleMania Playboy. Does that sound right? But this it was Ashley and Christy Hemi the year before they were like Pose naked, get a women's no. Win Diva Search. Pose naked, get a women's title shot at WrestleMania. Was, was uh, Mal- thankfully women's wrestling has come so far since then. Mm. Was Molina versus Ashley the match that the Funkasaurus dancer said was the best match of all time? <laughs> that was uh, Molina versus Alicia Fox at <laughs> SummerSlam. Uh, Even better. I, was, I remember this at WrestleMania. I'm like, oh, tough enough. Okay. A curious statement to make. <laughs> All right, we will move on to WrestleMania 24 in Orlando, Florida. Another big crowd. Ric Flair's last match, according to him, and <laughs> WWE. And uh, Undertaker. He's literally left those memories alone. Yeah. <laughs> the Undertaker Edge main event. Floyd Mayweather uh, provided fodder for Cody Rhodes by knocking out the big show. And Randy Orton, John Cena, and Triple H in a triple threat match. Uh, I like this show. I think it's. Uh, there's a lot of good things. <laughs> Batista and Umaga is uh, is not so good. I hope Batista didn't go back and say top that afterwards because <laughs> everyone would say, okay, we will do this. And uh, I think the Ric Flair match kind of gets, uh, I don't know, people are like, oh, it was kind of sad. Ric Flair couldn't, uh, you know, he couldn't bridge up, so he wouldn't want to go out on that. It's like, well, it's the guy's last match. He's fighting. I thought that played into it. Like, he's trying it. He's fighting to stay yeah. alive, and he realizes he can't do it. He, the ending's a little weird. I know Brian's friend Mark, I think, I know people aren't a huge fan of him, but he said it was it was like kicking your grandfather into the casket, and that was that was uh, kind of weird, but I enjoy that match. Just, just Dave Meltzer says it was sad, and I, I was going to say, say this during 25, but he also said the same thing about Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 25, where mm-hmm. it's like, it's sad that somebody is much more awesome than they should be at their age, like... Mm. That's like no, it's not sad. It's like he's old now. What can you do? Like that's it's completely unfair to hold up to previous standards. Uh, I thought that flare match was really good, and um, the ending I thought was was unique and and you know kind of I mean in by wrestling standards moving you know and um, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like. So, you know, that, that hokey kind of thing. But it was a, you know, it was, I thought that was one of matches that you could hold up as a great Shawn Michaels WrestleMania match. And certainly, um, a, a good moment for Ric Flair to go out on. So I see, uh, nothing to complain about with that match. I think his disappointment, and this is like weird psychoanalyzing Dave for no reason, but it's three things. One is that the, the Flair, retirement storyline in general was not as good as it should have been until the very end uh the other is just that he's flair through and through and maybe expected him at 60 to be rick flair one more time and the other is that he wanted like the show to stop and be a big tribute to him but then they saved it for the next night on raw which i think worked out for the best mm-hmm. and uh where do we rank floyd mayweather on the celebrity participant scale I thought you did a hell of a job. First, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, I that match is better. Yeah, that's that was, a... That was wasn't awesome the story like spectacle. Triple H taught him how to work the day of the show? <laughs> I, I think that's right. The match was problematic until then. But Triple H figured it out. This was also the um, Money in the Bank CM Punk one in a, a surprising... 
this was actually this was a pretty crazy. I mean, John Morrison was going nuts in this match. He was like, he's doing moonsaults to the floor with a ladder and just a step ladder. Yeah, that was crazy. It, and then and Matt Hardy made his big return. Oh, that's right, Matt. People going just apeshit for Matt Hardy if you can believe that. Because <laughs> MVP he was embroiled in a feud with MVP. Weirdest thing about this um, WrestleMania is that it opened with a street fight between <laughs> Finley and JBL, and I think that match would be probably high on the list of matches that nobody would ever remember from WrestleMania. I just remember that uh, JBL, I think, taunted and harassed Hornswoggle, and Finley stood up for him, and then JBL beat him up. <laughs> so the Be a Star campaign was uh, <laughs> a little late because the bully uh, won in this match. JBL had a a weird year in 2008 because he had that Jericho feud that really was kind of sad. It was both guys' comeback match. Yeah, nobody got over. And then they had that whole weird thing where Shawn Michaels lost all his money and had to be his uh, employee. And it was like, of all the things to do with Shawn Michaels. It was reflective of the economic times we lived in. And still do to this day. It sure was. It's being mimicked, mirrored today with Teddy Long's storyline that he lost all. He had like a trust fund for his grandchildren. And now he has to be John Laurinaitis Butler. Spoilers! <laughs> this probably won't go up until after SmackDown. So. There we go. Um, so it's yeah, okay. If you remember, that was the fallout of the Hornswoggle McMahon storyline. JVL came out and was like, okay, forget all that. Uh, JB Hornswoggle is not Vince's son. He's Finley's son. <laughs> so this little thing that he's been carrying around <laughs> for how two years—that's his son. And I don't know. It's gone back and forth as to whether Hornswoggle is supposed to be a little boy, a living leprechaun transported through Green Portal <laughs> under the ring from an ancient mystic Ireland, or just a midget worker with a beard. It's—I don't—I don't know. This was weird. Vince got out from under it. The Kennedy angle that we talked about for last year. And then he, Vince didn't have anything to do with it. He just kind of exit stage left the angle. Which, if you remember, Hornswoggle got so much TV time leading up to mm. that. Ugh. And it all culminated <laughs> with uh, JP throwing a garbage can. <laughs> Hopefully the upcoming Leprechaun reboot will sort this all out. <laughs> Hornswoggle did take the uh, Kennedy thing out in the last year's Money in the Bank, right? That, that is good. one of the few things I did remember. Um, this was the year, I, three year stretch, I think, of the guy everyone expected to win Money in the Bank didn't win it because, yeah, it's you know seems normal in retrospect, but that Punk winning at the time was like what? Mm. The guy who's buried by the agents and Vince hates on ECW for being it all was- indie. It was exactly like Daniel Bryan winning at last year's Money in the Bank mm-hmm. in, the, in terms of expectations, because I did not expect either of them, and I thought they were both cool. <laughs> there you go. They were both your friends. Yeah, they were. <laughs> Who's the uh, more explicable participant in a Mania main event, uh, Kurt Hawkins or Alex Riley? I guess Hawkins, but <laughs> Rock sees something in him, so... Well, what if Team Rock had run out this year and gotten, like, Michael McGillicuddy chokeslammed onto Kurt Hawkins? And for the record, CM Punk and Brian Danielson are not both my friends, because I have a strong feeling that if I ever met CM Punk, he would be really mean to me. 
the opposite with Brian, though. Yeah, he's just a sweet guy. Yep. Is he your friend? Uh, I wish. Maybe someday. I think we're all friends because everything is connected. I think Danielson would agree with that, based on the writings of Noam Chomsky or whoever. <laughs> Does, I don't. I don't think Noam Chomsky's writings consist of the point that we're all friends because everything is. <laughs> <laughs> I may have misread the Chomsky I have yeah. consumed. I need to go back then. Fair enough. Feel good veganry. You're both <laughs> vegan, right? I'm. Or are you just veg? I'm just vegetarian. Okay. I'm not. So Triple H versus Randy Orton versus uh, John Cena. That match is underrated. That was a good, fun, fast-paced uh, three-way. With a this, cool finish. Yeah. This is your, was this year Cena won the Rumble in a surprise? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that that was probably the best surprise WWE has done in the past like 15 years in terms of just straight up like nobody saw it coming when mm-hmm. Cena won the Royal Rumble. I can't think of another example of this, of a surprise really being that surprising and that well received. Can you? I think most people expected Rock to be the host of WrestleMania. Clearly, people knew Brock Lesnar. Was <laughs> I was going to say the Brock thing is except people were chanting for him, but in the fact that no one saw it coming and no one expected it, I would say yes. And everyone basically expected Edge to come back the when he did in the same way. So yeah. It was awesome though. It was so, I mean, we heard like six months, nine months for so long in that injury. Um, that if you remember, Charlie Haas was doing an impersonator gimmick, and I was so confused that I thought it was just like Charlie <laughs> Haas Cena at number 30 or something. Like I remember that. God, oh my, I remember that, yeah. Weird. He was like Stone Cold Steve Austin and all that stuff. Oh, wow. wow. Um, yeah, that match was cool. Um, and Orton won. This this was like the beginning of the modern day Randy Orton. He didn't have voices yet, but he had become the Viper with the shaved mm. head and no absence of malice. <laughs> and he, well, once he once he started doing the gimmick where he violently kicked people in the head and put them out of action, I thought then that kind of changed him from handsome Randy mm. Orton to an evil arrogant man. psycho. Yeah, to evil psycho Randy Orton. Yep. So I get, yeah the kicking and then. Did he like um he wrecked his motorcycle later this year I think and then he came back and made legacy so yeah the evolution of Randy Orton and uh, main event things that are vintage Orton now were not yet vintage <laughs> the point we're talking about and uh, the main event with Undertaker beating Edge streak versus streak sort of asterisk Edge lost money in the bank is that real? is that a loss I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that was also very, that's a good way to end the show. Yeah, that match also was one where I, you wouldn't have expected it to be that good, and it kind of continued Undertaker's streak. Cause, um, you know, it kind of, like, you, that wasn't one of the most promoted things at WrestleMania, so it was kind of like a surprising choice, I thought, for a main event. Maybe mm-hmm. I just wasn't paying close enough attention. But, and it didn't really have a ton of heat at the beginning. You know, it didn't really feel like a WrestleMania main event. And then it was one of those deals where they, kind of worked hard and won over the crowd and it was um and they ended it with the hell's gate which really hadn't been that over up until that point and it was uh yeah it was it was really good 
and it kind of made it seem like a bigger deal of a match in retrospect than it was going in. Yeah, I, I assume Orton's match was going to go last until they changed it for the surprise finish to have a bad man win. Mm-hmm. And then, so it all, it all worked out really well. Stop it, but Joe's cat. <laughs> no, my cat is sleeping peacefully. Aww. I, uh, I think that was me because I took off my headset to sneeze. Oh. Ever heard of the mute button? <laughs> <laughs> no. I guess, I guess not. <laughs> Uh, so what were we talking about? Uh, I think we were we were wrapping up WrestleMania 24. Any, anything else? Yeah. I just I remember they wanted to do Triple H scene of the rematch for so long, and he got hurt the year before, and then Orton took off, and Cena got hurt this year, and then they finally did it in this three way. And I I think at the time, like you would have expected to see a whole lot more Cena Orton Triple H. Con- oh, you did get that, but neither of them <laughs> against neither of them against Cena ever ever at a WrestleMania uh, since then. Also, um, this WrestleMania had Chavo Guerrero versus Kane in the record-setting match that ruined WrestleMania <laughs> 28. <laughs> that, is, that is a black mark on WrestleMania 24. All right, let's move on to uh 25. Yeah, no, oh, go ahead, Justin. Let me say Oh, no, I, we will not. <laughs> um, Chavo Guerrero had just beaten CM Punk somewhat clean for the ECW title. So that kind of puts into perspective how uh, surprising it was. Yes. Oh, and Jeff Hardy was supposed to win that match when he was first taking off, but he did drugs and couldn't be on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah, and his, his house burned down. Yep, yep. And that was... Because Matt Hardy Matt, blew up his house. Yeah, Matt Hardy was trying to murder him. <laughs> and then they set those feelings aside to wrestle the Hart Dynasty. <laughs> All right. Oh, and the naked, who was naked? Maria was naked that year, and Santino wouldn't have any of it. Oh, that's right. That's when the lights went out, right? Yeah, yep. Oh, uh, yeah. All right. Live TV, everyone. Okay. <laughs> Finally, WrestleMania 25, back at the... Uh, Reliant Astrodome, or where, where the hell it was. Uh, the site of WrestleMania 17. This one was headlined by the Triple H-Randy Orton match with the disastrous program that featured such highlights as, um, as Shane McMahon kind of sort of beating up Randy Orton and Triple H going to Randy Orton's house and beating him up in front of his wife, which I think was wife number one, <laughs> and culminated in a bad, bad, boring, long match. Not, not, not good times. This was uh, pretty sad, considering that it was WrestleMania 25, and the really the buildup was mostly terrible, and the lineup was mostly terrible, and uh, yeah, it was pretty terrible mostly. And uh, <laughs> and uh, um, the, I think the saddest thing was maybe not the main event, but that Chris Jericho was doing these awesome promos and kind of had this awesome thing going and they culminated it with that weird uh, elimination handicap match mm. it was like we gotta capitalize on the wrestler like like the wrestler was like it wasn't Avatar you know it was uh, <laughs> it didn't make billions of dollars it made you know it was a moderately successful independent film that got a lot of praise and I don't know why they felt they had to jump all over that but they did so they, they should have tried to capitalize on Avatar. <laughs> they did when Ray came out dressed as a, a whatever that year. Right. Or, using Al Snow. or using Al Or using Al. Oh, yeah. Ha ha. 
<laughs> Let's do a who joke. <laughs> they should bring Nightheart back as yes. <laughs> you can replace AJ. <laughs> um, Oops, another spoiler, sorry. Yeah, uh, this show was snaps the streak of, uh, I would say, excellent WrestleMania from 19 on, or 18 if you really love that Hogan match. Um, oh, so 17. Or, I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, and it starts a pattern of like them running almost the same card at Backlash, or whatever you call it, Extreme Rules, the next month, and giving it like much better time and much better allotment and having... Superior versions of the same matches. Um, I remember Cena and Edge I was really excited about, and then they added Big Show to the match, which took it down. Mm. And I remember Orton, uh, Triple H had like two angles that made you think like Randy Orton was about to be the biggest star in the business when he punted uh, Vince and gave Stephanie the RKO. And then everything they did after that just ruined it. And they had to go They're, back to attacking Stephanie again yes, to make they up. They went all the way to the and just beat her up again the last <laughs> week to try and save it. Um, I, the wrestling of which I am a fan, to quote Herb Kunzi, Kunz, I don't know. <laughs> Herb, Herb Kunz. Pussies. Herb Pussies. <laughs> uh, is like awesome matches and things like that, but there is something kind of satisfying about seeing Triple H die on the big stage mm. with all the uh, advantages he has. Well, well, that's why when people always talk about The Undertaker's matches and they're like, well, it's not really fair because he got all the time and he got all the the, you know, the advantages with the kickouts and the, and the wooded tables if he wants to use them and blood sometimes, but not anymore. Uh, but, you know, people have gotten those advantages and still not delivered, and Undertaker's had some pretty amazing matches five years in a row, or I guess more now. So, you know, I I do think that you should still give him credit for the the streak, the new streak of great matches. You know, despite the fact that he has advantages that certain other guys don't have. Mm-hmm. Triple H big... really screwed the pooch on this one. <laughs> <laughs> they have. Uh... Just neither of those guys have very good chemistry together. Like even going back to when they first broke up in Evolution, which yeah. worked so well that Orton's main event push went to Batista. <laughs> Although I do wonder, I do wonder if it hadn't had to follow uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, if it would have gotten a better reaction and then seemed like a significantly better match. Right. Same thing with Hunter and Jericho. Mm. Right. I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, Hunter. Jericho is is pretty good watched in a vacuum. This one's just boring. Mm-hmm. They've... Well, they start they start out with a weird way where they hit their finishers immediately, and then laid around for a few minutes, like at the very beginning of the match. Mm-hmm. I just think that's probably a bad idea. That's how Brian Sheamus started. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ray beat JBL in his last match in a second. Nice use of Ray on the show. Um, Least Ray fucking showed up. <laughs> oh, they said the same thing to him this year, I'm sure. <laughs> Wear the Just t-shirt. Put the, yeah, the blue shirt on. <laughs> um, Santina Morella was kind of a delight. I'm just reading the Wikipedia page. Does oh, this is the first year of the... editorializing. What's that? Does it say he was a delight? Because that's kind of editorializing. Oh, no, it says... Um, yeah, there's a footnote warning against that. <laughs> 
This was the first year they really uh, couldn't get the time down. I mean, I guess JBL was pretty hurt and maybe didn't want to do a match anyway, and it's not like that would have been a blow away, I'm sure. But uh, they had to bump the unification of the tag team titles to the dark match, which was um, started a great trend of dark matches, I guess. Primo Cologne, master of the uh, tag title dark match. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I remember, Justin, you were all talking about how excited you were for the big Brie Bella heel turn in that match. Oh, my God, yeah. And then that <laughs> Matt's not happen. even joking. That was the first time they had the Bellas divided. Oh. But that time, Nikki, Nikki has always been the mean one, but then she sided with Team Johnny. I mean, Team Teddy and its standard barrier hornswoggle. <laughs> I'm glad I, I wasn't the only one who thought that. They weren't even standard bears. They were flag bears. <laughs> standard barriers. Um, Punk won back-to-back banks. I don't even remember. I think Shelton Benjamin may have been the f- uh, favorite going to this match. And uh, they ended up doing something really, really good with Punk out of that. True. This was uh, Kofi Kingston. uh Start is a very good and memorable in the bank competitor because he jumps. Mm-hmm. He kind of took the torch from Shelton. He did. Don't be racist, and, Justin. Yeah, I oh. was going to correct that. And uh, we haven't mentioned Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, which was, in fact, incredible. It was, I would say, the WrestleMania match of that decade. I mean, considering that the, the Benoit title win is forever tainted by him turning into a pixelated blob <laughs> afterward, I'd, I, I think that's probably, um, which is a pretty high praise considering there are a lot of really awesome WrestleMania matches in the 2000s. I think that one, just because of everything, kind of stands head and shoulders above kind of the pinnacle of that kind of big main event style mm-hmm. get out the big moves match. I, uh, the crowd was, I'd say, as hot for that match as for any wrestling match I could think of at a WrestleMania ever. I, but perhaps I'm wrong for that one. It's hard for me to decide between those three Shawn Michaels matches, the two you named and the Kurt Angle match. Um, I think we've had that conversation before. I don't know if it was on audio, though. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it was great. Jim Ross is awesome. I guess Jim Ross did three of the four of the um, Taker, Hunter, Sean series, but he missed Sean's retirement match. I just remember this one, him being like, Choke Slam, Last Ride, Tombstone, and a kick out, and a kick out, and a kick out. And then Undertaker's fat head sleeping on Sean and couldn't believe what was happening. <laughs> Good stuff. Was, oh no, it was the Cena. Cena Sean matches when they were both <laughs> laid out. And Cena was, uh, Sean was holding John Cena's penis the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, and like, did, did did we find out after like that was some sort of like secret wrestler code for like don't hit me so hard or something? I don't even I don't remember what that was, but there was supposedly some reason why he was grabbing his crotch. Really? Didn't Sean actually say out loud, "Whoa, slow down"? And then <laughs> I don't think it's a secret code. I think it means Whoa, slow down. <laughs> um, I've never read Batista's book, but I was flipping through in the bookstore once and it landed on the WrestleMania 23 match and he, he describes it and says like in the first minute like we were exchanging punches and then Undertaker punched me really hard in the face and he goes that was a fucking receipt you broke my eardrum okay let's go <laughs> well seems like a weird time to do it yeah <laughs> but, uh, but no, this had they- Go ahead. 
was gonna say they, no, I was gonna say they could have done it like after the match, like they're all hugging and celebrating backstage, and then he just punches him <laughs> in the face. That was a receipt. It's like the end of a uh, major league. That's the point of a receipt: is you take it back later and return something. Then right. You don't, you know, what good is it? Mm. Didn't need to print that out. Recycle. <laughs> yeah, the Sean Taker uh, WrestleMania matches with various opponents. Many of them feature that thing where the guys are so uh, physically decimated that they support each other as they try and stand up. That's always funny looking to me. Mm. It's also really heartwarming. Typically, typically leads to booyah punches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, are we done with 25? I want to move on here. Yeah, that match was awesome, and we can talk about it in its uh, legacy context after we get through the next three of them. Yes. WrestleMania 26 from... Speaking of legacy context... Oh, Arizona. This was a show that uh, showed the importance of kind of building because the undercard was up and, and very down, but then you hit Chris Jericho and Edge. That was very good. Uh, John Cena and, and Batista was excellent, and uh, Undertaker Shawn Michaels was like one of the better matches that year, and you ended up thinking, yay, great show. And uh, it was, even though there were some... <laughs> tough parts to get through, including the aforementioned legacy explosion or mild pop. May, may I uh, just state that um, Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon is like the first time I can ever remember where they totally blew a special attraction McMahon match uh, in terms of the booking because, like, but not not just talking about the buildup, but usually every time Vince had a match whether it be at WrestleMania or otherwise, they would kind of meticulously lay it out to where he's kind of able to hide and they have, like, interference and big ups and downs and, you know, kind of excitement just based on things other than the actual wrestling. And in this match, it was just really weird because they just had Vince just get beaten up for 10 minutes in the most boring manner possible and nobody cared. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I was going to ask you guys uh, to rank the Vince uh, series. I'm fairly mm. sure this is, but like <laughs> this is rock bottom. Yeah, the other three are tough, and they're all kind of different too. The other Sean match really just tough. took a uh huh. He just took mm. a beating. The Shane match was sort of a soap opera, and Shane did his uh, shit. Two big jumps, and then the Hogan match. They just kind of like Vince worked. Mm. Vince did a fucking leg drop off a ladder in that match. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, it, we could never really figure out going in, like, how they're going to get around a, a stroke victim, Bret Hart, who can't be punched or fall down <laughs> against a 50-however-year-old man at that point. But the whole time, we're just like, well, they'll figure something out. They'll just do a bunch of creative stuff. It's a Vince match at WrestleMania. And, um, no, not so much. No. If I were to rank them, I think I'd actually put the Hogan match first mm -hmm. because it did have like the ups and downs in ways that the other matches didn't. I, I haven't seen the Shane match in many, many years, but that Hogan match was was pretty ridiculously good. And I I almost think it was Hogan's best match at WrestleMania. Also, yeah, really, <laughs> it's awesome. The Shane, I was gonna say the Shane match is the one where Linda got out of her coma in the wheelchair, right? Yeah, that makes it number one in my book with a bullet nice um yeah and the Sean match he just he, it's Sean match happens in like three chapters there's a spirit squad chapter a Shane chapter and then a chapter where he finally gets it and uh, that's just a feel good match 
It's uh, not important in the long run. This show, uh, yeah, the Brett thing was bad. That aside, uh, another me and Matt talking point is this was one of the times where things coalesced and, like, booking got really good for three months for no apparent reason. <laughs> that program notwithstanding. But, like, there were six or seven matches on here that had a, uh, like, a well-done build-up. Hmm. And yeah, yeah, actually, scene, my expectations scene. going in were that it could be like a WrestleMania 17, 19 level show, and uh, there just wasn't enough time properly allotted for that to come the way I wanted it to. Yeah, that scene of Batista buildup was great. I mean, Batista was on fire at that point, and it was—it's pretty sad because he left, you know, like what two months later. But his promos were great. His his crazy outfits were awesome. <laughs> uh, he uh, he was getting a lot of heat, and his you know his promos had substance his the the the, i mean it was kind of weird like the big angle at that point was that batista was mad that cena had become like the next stone cold instead of him so they had a fight and (laughs) that match was i mean nobody ever talks about that match anymore but i thought that match was great yeah like it was it was another like really good sprint of a match Mm -hmm. where they you know like it was like the undertaker batista match where they just did a bunch of stuff went into the near falls and the crowd was on fire for all of it i think that this wrestlemania actually gets the shaft and people talk about wrestlemania i've heard actually people talk about how this was a really disappointing or crappy wrestlemania but if you actually just break it down match by match there's a lot of really good stuff on the show though the only real disappointing things was the brett match which we discussed and then also the fact that Punk and Mysterio, which also had a really awesome build-up, got like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was until a couple days ago, I think, the biggest uh, waste of a awesome potential WrestleMania match. Although I could be forgetting something obvious. I mean, well, Ray Punk. A, and but, I mean, it was, there's Ray Matt Hardy was one. Uh, uh, I guess Regal versus Jericho. WrestleMania 17 had potential to be a lot better than it was. Um, other than that, I really can't think of anything. Oh, um, I was going to say Guerrero versus Mysterio, but I guess that wasn't so much of a time problem so much as just the match didn't click. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Did Triple H fight Sheamus on the show? Sometimes Eddie's broken that. back didn't let him... Yes, Triple H wrestled Sheamus, and that match was unmemorable, but pretty good, if I recall correctly. And we had our last uh, Money in the Bank, uh, that Jack Swagger uh, ended up winning to great acclaim. Or not. Well done. That was another yeah, really surprising finish, cause, took and, also it took, and also he took about 45 okay. seconds to get the briefcase <laughs> down. Yes, yeah, the surprise uh, lessened over that span. <laughs> Yeah. 14 minutes, seven of which was him trying to unhook. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I don't know. We could look at that as like the Ken kennedy of Drew McIntyre because he was supposed to win it and then take the belt two days later. And look at what he's done since then. Oops. We like McIntyre being named to Team Teddy was the happiest day of his career since like Tiffany beat him up at SummerSlam. <laughs> I do remember, uh, yeah, people were not happy when it looked like Drew was going to win. The, the the other frustrating thing about the show was that people were like, "Come on, man, just let Jim Ross call the main event. Come on!" And uh, yeah. they didn't, and it was just Matt Stryker instead. And <laughs> I forget were, Matt were, called this uh, pay per view. Yeah, people were not happy with Matt Stryker at this point. I never thought he was all that bad, but people really did not like him. People liked him at first. He was like 
when he was doing what ECW and people were like, yeah, this guy's breath of fresh air. And then somewhere along the line, it's like, oh, <laughs> this guy, uh oh. Yep. Well, it's funny. I mean, people want Scott Stanford to be the voice of the WWE. If Scott Stanford was in the headset with the people producing him, he would have to be just as stupid. You know, <laughs> it's not. I mean, people wanted Josh to do it when he was Captain Velocity, and look what happened to him. So, uh, let me show my ignorance by asking, who is Scott Stanford? <laughs> <laughs> He's the newest like four-string announcer. Ah. He's like what does he, he host? Superstars? Yeah. He's also on Z True Long Island Story. Oh. He was like he took Mike Adamley's spot essentially. I see. I so I've probably older, seen him. An older man who I don't know, somehow got hired <laughs> to be a professional broadcaster. But he's a cool guy. Mm. Bonk. I remember Matt texted me during the show and said something like WrestleMania history made Triple H has a well received match that got crowd heat. <laughs> so good for him. It was in Stark it shows like maybe be a little less ambitious and go on earlier in the show and everything can be okay. Well he uh, he did not take the less ambitious advice the next couple of years, but it worked out okay. Mm-hmm. What's funny is Seamus was supposed to go into that as world champion and then Batista was doing so well they were like, oh, let's do it with their program instead. Give them the belt. And Edge, Edge Jericho, I remember, was sort of disappointing at the time because um, Edge came back really early from his ankle Achilles thing, and it took him like a few months to get good again. Yeah, he came back early to win the Rumble. Mm-hmm. Cashed it in. Can somebody remind me? Can somebody remind me like what Edge's face heel trajectory was in 2010? Because it confuses me. Because I know he came back as a face, but then he was a heel. But then by WrestleMania 27, he was a face again. So what? What's a, what? What happened with that? I don't remember. Yeah, he? he came. He came back as a baby face, and then he was doing like spear, spear, spear. They cut the Jericho feud short to put the belt on Jack Swagger. Then they moved them both to Raw for no reason. It was the time they moved like everybody to Raw, and then he was a heel on Raw because uh, to balance out Orton turning babyface. Then he, then Undertaker got hurt, and they moved him back to be the top babyface on SmackDown, and he turned face without turning, and then he nice. finished his career as a face. I just remember thinking that when Edge came back at the Royal Rumble, like his body wasn't quite what it was, and I thought he kind of looked like Jimmy Valiant. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can't do cardio on one leg, really. Yeah. People were really hard on Edge during that, too. I was kind of sad, but uh, he won them back by breaking his neck and having to retire. <laughs> also, Edge got really good again by the end of the year. He had some uh, really good matches to close things out. Mm-hmm. For the rated R era, or whatever they call it, the decade of decadence. And uh, I don't know if we touched upon it, but the uh, main event of Undertaker ending Shawn Michaels' career was also very good. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it's one of those things where it's like it in terms of like the actual content, it seems like it was pretty much as good as the match the year before, but there was just something about the match the year before that couldn't be topped. And probably the announcing had something to do with it, and maybe there was just a little bit more um, excitement in the crowd for the first one. But yeah, this match was awesome, and I think uh, this would be a pretty good time to talk about Shawn Michaels' WrestleMania legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, 
by my count, he had about ten memorably great matches at WrestleMania, and I guess depending on what you think, it was you could say maybe eight or nine. But I don't see how that can ever be topped, and I, it's it's really sad for me every year when they have a WrestleMania and there's not going to be a Shawn Michaels match. Mm. His post comeback record is impeccable, too, right? Oh yeah. It's just yeah. a classic after classic or making the best of it with a 50-year-old in <laughs> Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I consider the Ric Flair match a classic in its own right. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so he had, okay, so in terms of... And they're all different. different. Right. In terms yeah, of go ahead. Well, not all different because the Undertaker matches are pretty much the same, but um, the, uh, the WrestleMania 10 uh, ladder match, then the WrestleMania 12 Iron Man match, then the match with Jericho... So that's three, then the three-way with uh, Triple H and the Pixels, then the match with Angle, then the match with Cena, then the match with Flair, then the match, then two with Undertaker, and you could add, you could throw in Vince if you want, and uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty remarkable. And he, he pretty much it was like there was never any doubt that he would have. That match when he when when he was put out there at WrestleMania it, it it just always worked and he never had a, a tough crowd even like they, everybody was always with him and I think you know there was some there was some criticism in in his first run you know his, the original before the back injury you know that he was over with a certain crowd but he wasn't like this this big draw and I think at least for WrestleMania he sort of became a pretty big draw I mean I know that he wasn't the draw at WrestleMania 23 but that was still one of the three highly um, promoted matches and that was the most purchased pay-per-view of all time so I don't think it's so much of a stress to give him a little, little bit of credit for that it's it's still amazing to me that he actually came back at all and had this whole second career hmm I'm sure he's also proud of having the best match at WrestleMania 9, do you think? Does that come on the, the Mr. WrestleMania? I mean, it's true, but, like, good job. And 11, I guess. Well done. Yeah. Uh, That's true. And 12, which is a match that uh, has gone, like, so called overrated to the point that it's now underrated. People are just like, oh, Iron Man match, <laughs> no decisions, what a disaster. So, I don't know. Find a middle ground on that one. Um, and, you know, 14 did the best he could and uh, without a lot of competition had the best match on that show. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he, he pretty much had the best match at every WrestleMania since WrestleMania 9 that he was on. So, mm-hmm. pretty remarkable. Like a couple ties, gentlemen's ties, you could give him at 23 and 10, depending on your preference, but yeah, yep. and, I mean, Dave likes that Lesnar angle match more, I think he's one of the few people who said that was the best match at 19. Shawn Michaels was good. Mm-hmm. He was Mr. Um, uh, backlash. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I was you gonna... are heartbreak. I was going to bring up the Undertaker's recent streak, but I'm like, oh, are we going to include like Giant Gonzalez and Jimmy Snuka? Because <laughs> that drags it down a little. King Kong. I think Bundy. it's a what six year streak now of having the best. Uh, since 23, yeah. yeah. And and if you want to just skip over 22, he had a really good match at number 21 also, which I think kind of kicked off the uh, mm-hmm. the run. Yeah. Yep. He had a casket match with a not quite as good as he is now, Mark Henry. Yeah, yeah. Real no really he was he's pretty much as good as he is now. He just people just uh you know, view him a little differently. 
Well, he he he's made some positive changes. I don't know. It's it depends. Like to his character, I think he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he he carries himself. I guess it's just him. Not they are minor. They're they're minor changes, but there right. are some. You guys, I probably don't see every October B show, right? But he had this. His match with Big Show was like the best singles match of both guys' careers. It really was, yeah. The one at, I did I don't not know, see that that theme pay per view. It's kind of like Undertaker Batista. They just go inexplicably fast and get <laughs> up and down. Well, then, then I'm sad that I saw the one at Survivor Series because that was yeah. not that good. Yep, yep. Yeah, that was hampered by injuries too. Uh, but uh, but also debuted the uh, untimely Daniel Bryan chance. So that was like, <laughs> a memorable moment for that. All right, we're all done with 26. How about 27? Uh, this show is quite problematic. <laughs> it's uh, pacing was horrendous. Oh boy. Show, and I just remember the big, the core against Kane, Big Show, Santino, and Kozlov. But they just had to get Kozlov off there, so they ran an angle at Access, sucked Kofi Kingston in, and then the match didn't even go 100 seconds, <laughs> minute and a half. It was just. There's just so much. I mean, there's some okay stuff on here. Nothing really WrestleMania worthy. One thing. Oh, I mean, there is one very, very good thing on it. But oh yeah. Like, like Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler's segment that goes like 40 minutes in total. <laughs> it's just like ah, oh, in the main event of Miz and John Cena, it's somewhat hysterical in hindsight. But God Almighty. Well, the, between this one. Between uh. Hart versus McMahon and Cole versus Lawler, they've completely soured me on the idea of special attraction non-wrestler matches at WrestleMania, which previously had been a fun part of the show. And those two were just such disasters booking-wise that I just am against that idea from now on. I had the same. I mean, I am twice bitten, once shy, or whatever the hell. I remember going <laughs> to that. I was like, that's going to be a really fun match they're gonna like lay out a bunch of high spots and like use interference and swagger and austin and then cole's gonna take a beating people are gonna love it and it was like no as with <laughs> as with, as with brett vince they'll just i guess do some stuff for a really long time <laughs> great and then you get a non-satisfactory ending yep enjoy um, this was another one where they did the same card at Extreme Rules and everything was better. Mm. In fact, markedly better in a lot of these cases. This may have been the worst pay-per-view of 2011. Maybe I'm overrating Capital Punishment. <laughs> I just well, like maybe in, well, at least in terms of expectations. Well, I think what this what this pay-per-view needed was a dramatic announcement at the end that Osama bin Laden had been killed. <laughs> Captured and compromised to a permanent end. <laughs> Can't say killed. But The Rock was was too busy uh, hosting to tweet about it. So <laughs> didn't couldn't work out that way. I but, guess I would think G.I. Joe himself told Rock that that had happened. <laughs> His source is in the Joe Corps. Not you, Joe. Or are you, Joe, part of that? No, I'm not. You would have to say that if you were, though. Yeah. <laughs> we're on to you. Um, now, I think... I think that the what saved this from being a completely worthless pay review was that they dedicated an entire hour to the Undertaker versus Triple H, pretty much in terms of like between the the package and the post match and the the match, of course, and that was a very exciting hour of wrestling television. That was a hell of a match. It really was. 
I thought for sure that would have been the best WWE match of that year, but uh, no, it actually, I put the um, Punk Cena match ahead of it, but that was very, very close. And I remember people were like, ugh, these two guys, you know, like mm-hmm. this won't be very good. And then like, oh, okay, they're kicking out of stuff. That's cool. Well, people actually talk about that match and like, you know, say, um, oh, you know, it was really slow and boring at the beginning, they and then they got the near falls. But I watched that match again, and I thought the first part was pretty exciting. They did a, they were kind of fast paced. They did stuff outside. They had the uh, spine buster into the uh, into the table and stuff. I thought they did more Cold than mine? I would have. Ex- <laughs> yeah, they, they they did more than I would have expected, considering how old and immobile the Undertaker is, and um, they really know what they can and can't do. And they know how to book themselves in these matches, and I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I I can't, I don't, I cannot relate to someone who, instead of the dramatic ending of that match, thinks it would have been improved with faster action and more moves. That kind of misses the entire point of, I guess, wrestling. But I don't want to be one of those people. Well, yeah, don't be one of those people. I, I think that faster action, more moves are not a bad thing. But when you're forty something years old and can't do faster action and more moves, <laughs> well, I think that the dramatic uh, selling and uh, and stuff like that between the moves that you can do well is the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I, I I am not in the least trying to be one of those like Buddy Wayne type fetishize doing the least. That's the real great work. I just mean like. This told a story of The Undertaker being beaten to death and having his streak like in the most jeopardy it had ever been, and then he only had one chance to preserve it, and he did, and he was so throttled that he couldn't walk out, and it just, uh, really, really good stuff. And, uh, made that much more impressive, because, like, A, he wasn't in there with Shawn Michaels, so people wondered how it could be as good, and B, like it was touch and goes to whether he's actually going to be back for WrestleMania because he tore something his shoulder or his rotator cuff in I think October and got buried by the Nexus which kicked off a hot feud between them. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, after that match, I never, I will never doubt Undertaker again for however many years he goes. Mm. And and he actually was able to pull off that dive, which I cannot believe. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about Sim Snuka. <laughs> And we need not. No. (laughs) I think it's interesting. Orton and CM Punk had a a WrestleMania program, and they had three matches, and CM Punk wasn't allowed to beat Randy Orton in any of them. And, like, in a sense, that's okay, because they thought he was leaving at the time. But, like, okay, now one one year later, and Punk has, I think, pretty definitively passed him on the babyface pecking order. I would say definitively to the people who watch regularly, but to like the broader audience that potentially watches on and off, I still think Orton's probably a bigger star, but I'm not positive about that. I think it's tentative, and it could easily change uh, very quickly, but I would agree he's a little higher in the pecking order right now. Yeah, Orton has not had a good last four months. Uh, he got injured, he got his Royal Rumble taken away from him, Uh and he lost to Kane. <laughs> I feel bad for him because he, he finally so too. he finally put it all together. Like he was, he had he was questionable for a while, but then like last year, I don't know, working with Christian so much, but he put it all together, and then he kind of gets nothing to People show for it. People question Teddy Long's general managerial 
aptitude, but he must have given him a hell of a pep talk when he drafted him. <laughs> he got it going. He maintained no absence of malice, but he, I don't know, what's a faster-moving snake? Because that's what he became. I wonder what Alberto Del Rio thinks of Brodus Clay now, because he... <laughs> he um, I forgot about that. He was his lackey at that time, and the opening match for the world title Edge's retirement match except for that other one he wrestled afterwards man there's nothing that they could do to bury the world title more than give them an <laughs> opening match yeah. at Wrestlemania you know you know, even if it is you know 17 minutes you know it's the opening match man like how could you bury that title anymore can't get any worse than that uh 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 Right. That match was good though. I like that match. I, I did too. I think people that gets a little unfairly crapped on, but that's a they fine best match of the show. Yeah. But if but if they had saved that match for like right before the Triple H match and kind of had those two in a row, might have changed the perception of the pay per view a little bit because instead they had that match and then a bunch of dead matches. Even though you know a scene of I mean Punk versus Orton was 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 pretty good, but you know not people weren't that into it. And Rhodes versus Mysterio was kind of good for what it was. But again, completely unmemorable, at least to me. So it was kind of a boring stretch. And then they had the, their next good match, and then main event. Man, what a disaster! That's <laughs> so bad. Okay, three a, a no heat. B um, horrible finish. Two horrible finishes. <laughs> three was I doing letters or numbers? Three C. Okay, they couldn't even get the time right for the main event world title match of WrestleMania, and they had him go like 15 minutes or something like that, and fit in a restart, and then like ran out of satellite time seconds later. This was really bad. Well, I wonder if like if they had a completely different ending book that they just didn't have time for. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they did, because I can't imagine that they thought, oh, double count out, restart, then The Rock just comes in and just does one move, mm-hmm. and it's over. Like I can't imagine that they thought that would be suitable, given all the buildup that they did. I think part of the problem with that match, besides the fact that they were rushed and not that good, is that... The, everyone was waiting for The Rock to come out because the whole mm-hmm. promotion about the match had been completely about The Rock. So why would anyone care about anything until The Rock came out? I think Rock needed to be the referee of that match and not just the host of the show for mm-hmm. the sake of that show. But, um, Matt, you actually texted me the day of the show and said, should I get this? And I was like, dude, get it. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Remember that? Yeah, and you were I'm, like, why? And I was like, well, Rock did this huge angle on Monday. They have to do something even bigger on Sunday. I was mistaken. That said, I uh, I wouldn't have expected Rock after that to come back and wrestle. And then he did. Hmm. This I, brings first, us to... Came, no. Oh. <laughs> what? No, I'll, I'll give you a segue. When he first showed up, I remember he did interviews where he was like, not to wrestle but to electrify. I've had my last match, but I think I can enhance the thing. And then like a week before the show he did it, uh, interviews where he's like, maybe, maybe. Well, we'll see. So, he must have come back and must have came, must have come back and had a lot of fun. <laughs> Too bad everyone hated him. <laughs> yep. But, uh, oh, final point is that, like, half the matches on this show had a way better rematch at Extreme Rules. Yeah. Oh, also, the second best thing about WrestleMania 27 was the video about The Miz before he came out, <laughs> which is pretty sad. 
Also, I think this was the debut of the big awesome balloon. <laughs> so there's that. But yeah, that thing where he's playing chess, that was pretty amazing. And people are like, why wasn't this on Raw? And, you know, whatever. But if you see them, they're very, very good. It was a better use of wasted time than a MKG concert. MGK. <laughs> MK machine. No, MGK. There you go. MKG just sounds more natural. I don't know. Yeah. Machine Kelly gun. Anyway. <laughs> uh, speaking of. Oh yeah, they, uh, oh. I've done it twice. Sorry. It's okay. I want to give you another segue. Uh, <laughs> complete slap in the face to Daniel Bryan and Sheamus. There you go. Speaking of which, uh, WrestleMania 28 in Miami, and uh, I think the, my feeling is the first hour was really crappy. <laughs> upsetting in ways and then everything else pretty much lived up to my expectations so it was overall a good show but how do we feel about Daniel Bryan's match now that we've seen the aftermath on uh, the, the, the rally that was Monday Night Raw um, post match I talked about this a lot on an Alan for Cunahan show just what's happening <laughs> is Matt beating up the microphone I think we're okay Oh, well, I, that's subjective. I feel violated. <laughs> Are you with us? Me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm here. Hello. Oh, that was just my impression of Stephanie McMahon in the Invasion video package. <laughs> oddly specific reference. I don't know. It just sounded that way. Are you with us? We're laying it all on the line. It's time to find out who's the crazy tough and who's the something brave. Uh, Daniel Bryan? Yeah, that was bad. But, uh, felt a lot better about it after Monday. Seemed like, uh, they struck him down and only made him stronger. This is, uh, here's my timeline of reactions after the kick. I'm like, well, this will <laughs> okay. be a good near fall. Oh, he pinned him. Well, they'll restart the match. Alright, they're not restarting. They're gonna restart it, right? Oh, here comes Kane. Uh oh. <laughs> is that it? <laughs> And that put me in a... Kane and Randy Orton did not alleviate my sour mood. But you're right, seeing um, seeing Monday night, especially the, the aftermath of uh, the dark match. And remember, this is someone who got fired, and it was probably the best thing that ever happened to him. So this may be in a similar vein. <clears throat> like, I, I don't know. It, it really... I was very excited for the show, and to start it like that killed all that enthusiasm instantly, and like you, it took that hour for me to be like, alright, be an adult, Justin. <laughs> they didn't let indie WrestleMan be good, but this rest of this could still be okay. And, uh, it's just like, okay, they both got... They both make the same amount of money, I think, I hope, as they would have if they had an awesome match. And... You know, he it's not like he just got squashed. He was an idiot and lost in a comedy spot. But they willfully made the show worse when it could have been a lot better. And, uh, you know, all character comeuppance aside, I really just can't abide by that. Yeah, I would say my reaction was sort of different in the sense that I was almost like happy when it happened. So I was like, I was like, haha, now I get to rub it in the face of people who say that I'm too cynical about this. Because, so, because I was like, ah, I, I told you that was going to happen, even though I, I would have never guessed in a million years that was really going to happen. But, um, then I kind of got more mad as time went on because I just thought about like, okay, like I get the idea that it accomplishes a couple of things being that they could say that, you know, it, it put over Seamus, you know, and, um, 
in that he got a big win and it gave Daniel Bryan a character comeuppance and it established that a big world title match could end quickly, which I theoretically makes the, the near falls early in a match mean more. But then I thought, like, if they really wanted to do any of those things, they would have put emphasis on it after it happened. Like, they would have had, you know, they would have talked about how history was made. They would have said, they would have had a post-match promo with Sheamus. They would have had a post-match promo with Daniel Bryan where he was angry. But instead, it just happened and they never mentioned it again for the rest of the show. So it was totally just like a stupid comedy match in their world title match. And as, and which made both guys look bad. And also the fact they had, people watching the show that normally wouldn't watch and they could have actually been able to you know highlight the skills of their young talent and they didn't do that and so it just kind of hurts both guys i don't really think sheamus got anything out of it at all and i think it's pretty clear now that he didn't uh daniel bryan got more out of it than i would have expected (laughs) because he uh because of what happened but i'm still not completely convinced that that was anything other than a a post-wrestlemania you know smart fan take over as opposed to something that's going to last. I mean, I, I don't rule out the possibility that it's going to last, but I almost worry that, like, yes is going to catch on in some way and people aren't even going to associate it with Daniel Bryan and it's just going to be like a WWE thing and he'll still get buried anyway. But, um, you know, I'm hoping for the best. But, yeah, I, I'm pretty annoyed that he didn't get to show his stuff at, uh, at WrestleMania and it also definitely made it, uh, harder for me to get back into the show. I, I, I knew it was a bad sign during the um, during the intro uh, video where the only things they focused on were the Rock match and the Undertaker match, you know, and didn't even show you know CM Punk for instance, who's their you know the WWE champion, who the, you know the champion that they actually are supposedly promoting. So it's like I get that they want to focus on their big matches, but don't you want to take the opportunity to? make it seem like the guys that are going to be around all the time are actual stars. I don't it just seems kind of counterproductive to to not at least pretend that you think they're stars. Yeah, I like I don't know who pitched this idea in the first place, but if it was just one of those nerds who's doesn't really understand wrestling and was like, "Oh, remember Warrior Honk Tonk, man, wouldn't that be cool?" and then it caught on, I'd like to kick him in the balls. I bet I bet it was Vince. I bet Vince was just like, "Oh, this will be good. That guy is short." And like, so like, I, I, I don't know. I um, I if if I had to take a guess, I would say that was that was a Vince move all the way. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like to lay all that at his feet just because like they did like I'm not gonna say get behind because aside from the CM Punk matches, he never became like a successful champion, but they gave him so much TV time and let him keep the belt through this. I mean, well, all for what, but I don't know. We'll see where it goes from here. Del Rio coming out instead put me in a sour mood, too, but um, we'll see. Uh, there were two matches on this show that went over 30 minutes, which I, I I can't really measure this, but I believe that's the first time that ever happened. You had uh, Triple H Undertaker, Hell in a Cell, they had a match I didn't think was as good as last year's, but still pretty damn great. And uh, helped. it was helped by Jim Ross, but honestly, I thought Michael Cole was good on the show. He was like, you know, he didn't have any bullshit, and he was totally fine. He didn't detract, or it was just him and King, and uh, I thought they did a fine job, but that was good. And I don't know why they had Rocco 30 minutes outside of the Iron Man match he had in 2000. I don't think he's ever gone 30 in a singles match, and... Um, I don't know. He got tired at the end, but I, I enjoyed that match. That match was what 
I expected it to be. I enjoyed it. And uh, those two big things and CM Punk, Chris Jericho match delivered. So that made it all in the end fine by me. Well, I, I, a couple of things. I actually I, – I thought that the Triple H match pretty much was as good as the one the year before. I thought it was a – Pretty awesome match, and I, it's another one of things where I don't really get the complaints. I mean, the guys knew their limitations, and they booked a match where they could get maximum drama and crowd reactions, you know, with the little that they could do. And they, they did it perfectly, and, and, you know, the, the drama was, was really good, and the execution was really good. And I thought they really kept it interesting the whole time. So I don't really have any complaints. I thought it was a, pretty awesome match and uh, another thing where they they took a whole hour pretty much dedicated it to that match and it really it made the show a lot better because they didn't have time for the other crap that they were doing in that hour and they just (laughs) yeah with the more time they devote to the good stuff the better i'd say so i think that's probably part of the logic behind giving rock versus cena 30 minutes also but i uh uh, that didn't totally work out in their favor. I actually expected that match to be a little bit better than it was. Maybe that was dumb of me because The Rock hadn't wrestled in a long time. You know, I still thought it was good, but I, I, I think I thought it would just be kind of shorter and tighter, kind of like the, the Hogan match, which, you know, in terms of work rate or actual, like, execution wasn't better than this one. But it was kind of more compact, and, you know, they they just cut out any anything that wasn't a really good part of the show. I mean, a good part of the match, so... This this one had more of the rest holds and kind of it it kind of like the crowd went came down a little bit which the which I never expected to happen and then they they really picked it back up for the ending so I thought it was a good match but I think I was expecting a little bit more out of it but it was certainly uh, a step up from last year's WrestleMania main event it actually felt like a WrestleMania main event this time so I'm not so I'm not really going to complain about it it was a, it was still very good especially for a guy who, like you said, pretty much never wrestled 30-minute matches, and then this time wrestled a good one. Guys, what about Triple H versus The Rock in a two-out-of-three falls match at Fully Loaded 1998? Didn't that go to like a 30-minute Oh, that was interminable. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, and then also also the match against Austin at WrestleMania 19, I mean 17, uh, was like 28 minutes, so it's hmm. pretty close. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, this, that was a very different rock. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that rock needs to be this big. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's know. another thing. I um, I you know, I don't want to be like like such a geek about it, but I was sort of thinking after, like they could have taken ten minutes away from Cena versus The Rock and given it to Daniel Bryan. <laughs> oh, I think there were many better places to pull that time from. You know, I wish. I honestly wish they'd given more time to the. 12-man tag because there were parts of that I enjoyed but there were just so many people like no one could do anything in 10 minutes and like did David Otunga even tag in I don't I don't believe so guys were in for like 30 seconds at a time and it's just everyone uh, when they had the meeting to lay out that match there was like all right just name one thing you absolutely want to do to get on uh, (laughs) in your WrestleMania moment and Drew McIntyre picked uh, destroying my shoulder, flapjack, and great collie. And David Otunga chose flex. <laughs> Drink coffee. I think it is very, very possible that David Otunga actually did say flex. <laughs> it's um, Dolph Ziggler say land on my face, taking a monkey. Flip. Obviously. Showing obviously. off. He took uh, the super rough rider too. So. With Rock and Cena, I uh, 
I was wondering the same thing, like whether it would have benefited from being shorter or whether having time to catch his breath was easier than doing like a 15... I don't think it could have been 15 minutes because this was the match, but 25 minutes maybe, I don't know. But I admire them trying to go 30 considering like how much, at least from a drawing perspective, at least to mainstream uh, casual people, this was like the match... No, yeah, you want you want to you want to try to give people your money's their money's worth. So I I don't I don't like fault them for giving them thirty minutes or anything. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't think anyone would have felt ripped off by a twenty minute match. Yeah, yeah. But. Agreed. But you know, good try. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he will be better the next time because that could be a year from now. But or you live, you learn, and he'll like run harder. Yeah, he'll do more <laughs> matches with uh, Hawkins and McGillicuddy. How do we feel about the result of The Rock winning and saving Miami from burning down? <laughs> yeah. Phew. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, that was one of those things where everybody was talking about it, and it's like, I could not have cared less who won that match. Like, the idea that people were debating whether or not, like, if Cena won, would it suddenly, you know, would it change people's perceptions about him? It's like, Cena's had the same reaction for the past seven years. Like, nothing's going to change the way people react to him except maybe him turning heel. And um, otherwise, it's like like these like these single match results don't make any difference. So I don't really see why people are trying to overthink it so much. It's just it's a match. People they gave them they gave them the feel good moment. Cena will be equally as big or as little as small a draw as he was before. And I don't know. Maybe I'm underrating the importance of the finish of that match. But I just thought what was important was the spectacle of the match. Maybe it doesn't matter, but it's just strange to me that, you know, John Cena is there next week and Rock won't be. But, and John like you said, may you be know. about to lose again to another guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we don't know what's what's happening, where it's going, who's going to fight, but it's just, I was like, that's very peculiar when I saw that happen. So, I, when they first booked the match last year, all the way until January, when just the Observer story often repeated was like Cena's supposed to win this match oh no how's that going to happen I never would have thought Rock wasn't going to win so um until they changed my mind so I I um I don't know if the match result has a great consequence but uh to go back to Herb Cunts um <laughs> I like shows that are good and uh this finish made the show better so mm. one of my great laments is that uh Mania 17 doesn't end with the stunner and the happy beer celebration. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, if I can mention uh, Punk versus Jericho, I kind of felt bad for them because, like, they're the world title match, and really it took them a. It was really tough for them to get people into their match. But then I thought, well, Triple H and Orton had a, had it, and it was a much worse problem than Punk and Jericho had. So I, I don't feel too bad for them because nobody would argue that Triple H and Orton aren't big. WWE stars, so um, I felt bad, but then I felt a little bit better. But I still didn't. I still didn't love that match. I thought it was good. I think the problem with that match is they added the uh, Punk gets DQ'd, he loses the belt like ten seconds before the match started, and that's how they worked it to start. And then they just said screw it and just forgot about it and worked the normal match, and it got a lot better. But it was just kind of a weird shift in direction that wasn't needed. I think it yeah. was. I said this on the Allen thing, so I don't want to repeat myself. Uh, you know what? People have to pay for that show. Who cares? Um, 
I think they added that as like an attention to detail because you know you hear like people complain about when people have use the word people too much. People complain about wrestlers have ah, uh, like heated mania feuds and then they lock up and do moves instead of brawling. I think that was so they could do their like move based match instead of having the punk is pissed and beats him up kind of match. Mm. But, you know, I think if they would have locked up, it really would have been fine. And uh, I've seen Hunter and Orton, and I've seen Cena and Miz, so they have nothing to be ashamed about. Like, I think those were matches people just didn't care about. This was a crowd that was kind of tired and eventually got up for it, which neither of those matches can say. They had to save their energy for Florida. <laughs> or Florida, if you're Heath Slater. All right, but all that said, WrestleMania 28, I think, was was a pretty good show, and I, I really did like the Undertaker match a lot. Justin, you haven't commented on that. What do you think in terms of the the match uh, compared to the one the year before? Mm-hmm. And discuss the bro club they formed at the end. <laughs> Matt called it the best friends club. I don't know what I like better. I know I said, aww. Uh, it, was, it was cute until the group hug. That was a bridge too far. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like... I, I agree. It was the modern-day... Um, what do they call that thing when the click all hugged? The, the MS call. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Curtain call. That's it. It was curtain call to 2012. Um, yeah, I thought, like, last year for drama and that tombstone and just, like, the throttling Triple H put on him, it's hard to recreate that, but I thought, like, this was right up there with the last four uh, end of an era matches. I think the last four Undertaker matches are a cut above the previous good Undertaker matches. I don't know what order I'd put them in aside from having the first Taker Sean first. Yeah, I um, I um, I thought that actually the um, people talk about that Tombstone spot, but last year I don't know. I never thought that that there was a chance that Triple H would win. I just no you know even with that Tombstone, I but you he know, folded his arms and stuck his. <laughs> Yeah, at, at no at no moment did I think that, but I almost sort of did start to almost think it during that super kick pedigree spot. I thought that was a re- yeah, that was a really good uh, you know replacement when they since they couldn't do that same tombstone thing again. So um, I thought they did a good job with that, and the I I thought that the the hugging stuff at the end was good. But also sort of comedic in a way that you probably don't want right after the most dramatic match, you know, mm-hmm. that of your of the year. Um, I, what I was gonna say was uh, this WrestleMania, like I, I enjoyed it. I thought the Undertaker match was good. The main event was pretty good. I I do find it problematic how little emphasis they put on their current guys and how little they cared about kind of like. To letting the stuff that could be good be good and specifically I'm talking about the Daniel Bryan match and um, you know contrast that with um, you know like ROH where they had a lot of technical issues but the stuff that could be good be good and specifically I'm talking about the Daniel Bryan match and um, you know contrast that with um, you know like ROH where they had a lot of technical issues but like you never have to worry about them not trying to have a good show, you know. Whereas sometimes WWE does things that make you think that they don't care as much as they should. I, it, it really bothers me how many commercials they they put on their pay per views now. It really bugged me during the Royal Rumble, and 
and it bugged me a lot at WrestleMania too, just in terms of like the commercials for different. I mean, that's why they have such bad timing issues. They always had a lot of video packages on their shows, but now they have the video packages and also just ads for random stuff. And it's like you're paying sixty five or sixty bucks for this. It's it's borderline insulting. Yeah, I could have done without Deadliest Catch guy. Oh God! At least the concerts. I mean, I can don't want them, but if they are like, oh, Super Bowl halftime show, I can understand why they're there. I think they you add know, to the... Flow Rida needed to do two songs, or however many ended up doing. I thought Flow Rida at least was a positive. It really adds to the spectacle. Like, you don't see this at every pay-per-view, thank God, but... I mean, and, and can someone tell me what era ended they kept? <laughs> was it just those three guys in the ring together for the last time? They just kept saying, like, the way it will be the end of an era, and never really specified what that era was. I think they were trying to sell pay-per-views on the idea that it might be one or all of those guys' last match, even though it's not, so they didn't want to actually say it. <laughs> so I th- I'm pretty sure that's what they were going for there. That makes sense. I, and it should. I mean, I can't see a way it doesn't break the four-year Sean Hunter-Taker story. So what, what do we that's want for That's not an the- era, though. Yeah, what do we want for The Undertaker going forward? I mean, I think... Apparently, we can preview WrestleMania 29. (laughs) Yeah, Matt, if you want shows that feature new guys, have I got the triple main (laughs) event for you? (laughs) It's not that they they want them to feature exclusively new guys. It's that I want them to actually pretend that they also like their new guys to be stars Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of just completely giving up on that, that fact. I, you know, it's funny because this is never going to happen, but in terms of plausible WrestleMania dream matches that could, like, potentially happen, I think there's no match that I'd like more than Shawn Michaels versus Daniel Bryan in kind of a student versus teacher thing. And I feel like this, what, what he's been doing this year is the beginning of him getting to the point where that could be viable if they don't continue to fuck it up like they did on Sunday. And, um... I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen, but I really would be excited if it did. Well, Matt, you told me you you thought the show really showed they had a depth problem, but to me, I like the like up to down talent a lot more than I did when MVP and Ken Kennedy and Carlito were supposed to be the next generation of main eventers, and Lashley and uh, whoever else I'm forgetting. I think uh, guys like Dolph and Cody and um, uh, Wade Barrett. Are uh, are more talented than they are. Well, the thing is, those guys have now been around for a decent amount of time. I mean, Cody Rhodes has been around for well, well over well over four years now, and Dahl's been around for what one year less than that. And it just seems like they're not they're not putting their faith in those guys, and it's taken them a long time. So, at le- at the very least, there's a there's depth in terms of star power because they just haven't bothered making these guys stars and eventually you get at a certain level and you stay there and you know and i like cody rhodes a lot but he's not cm punk on promos to where he can kind of make himself in one night the way punk did and um dolph i'm still not sure you know how he is in that respect he's a good worker and he's probably the best worker of that bunch you know by a by a large margin but in terms of work rate, their roster still isn't close to what it was, say, um, you know, seven or eight years ago. So I, I think that's what I mean by depth problem. Obviously, they feel that they're that they need to, you know, hang their hats on these guys that had been established stars years ago. And it's you know it's sad because in the pre- in previous eras, 
when things were good, they made a bunch of new stars, and the new stars carried the show. I mean, in 98, 99, the only guy they really had from the previous era was uh, was The Undertaker, and everybody else were pretty much brand new stars. And, you know, the the, the mid-80s era, you know, the, there were guys that were established in other territories, but in terms of the WWF, these were, I mean, and in terms of all these new eyeballs that were watching wrestling, these were all brand new people, and they obviously don't feel comfortable doing that now. Well, the, the shows we talked about today, like I said, it's the seven guys, Cena, Batista, Edge, Orton, Sean, Triple H, Undertaker, all but two of those guys now are more or less gone, so they better get some other people, or maybe they are happy to have enough dates with Rock and Brock Lesnar that they don't want to. Right, that's the thing. They, they, they keep finding like ways to avoid doing that. You know, they get the Rock back, they get Brock Lesnar back. And, you know, I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. I think that's that. You know, I'm excited to see what Brock's going to do, but I, I just, I just feel like they need to try harder to pretend. That their current guys are also stars, and it I seemed, think that was. Oh, sorry, no, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, it seems like the best bet for anyone to break through is to win Money in the Bank and then get a half-hearted first world title reign, because then it at least opens their eyes enough to where they say, mm, maybe this wouldn't be so bad, because that's the path that Edge took, uh, CM Punk took. Miss theoretically took last year until it didn't work out, and uh, hopefully Daniel Bryan takes. Yeah, and and there, I mean, there are guys in FCW. I mean, you know, I again, I know I sound like a dork, but Cassius uh, Ono has a lot of potential to be a star if they if they let him. And um, Dean Ambrose, you know, I feel the same way about him, and you know. Claudio even, you know, his Claudio doesn't have the promos, but if, you know, he's paired with somebody, he's certainly a really great worker and can do a good main event style and he's big and imposing and impressive. And Seth Rollins, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure, you know, what, what his, you know, upper rung potential is in WWE, but he could definitely be somebody. So, I mean, if you bring in, you know, four really good guys like that, that makes a big difference. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that was the WrestleMania woe song. What are you? What say you, Joe Gagne? Hmm. Quit hosting and start, <laughs> start talking. Mm-hmm. Um. Start joasting. Oh. Uh, I agree with Matt. I find it fascinating. They keep finding ways to get out of bringing in new people, but I mean, I would have thought. Brock Lesnar would be back after eight years. I thought he would have been done, but I guess it's a sweetheart deal. And if he fights The Rock next year, that's okay by me. But that's what's surprising about the Brock thing is like I thought the new gimmick for these guys would be like come in February for a huge payday, whereas he has been paid so much he's like, all right, I will (laughs) hang around for a little bit. I um I actually was sort of hoping that the Undertaker would wrestle Brock next year. I think that's kind of the most interesting main eventer match they have. I mean, I think The Rock is you know is great. I love The Rock. He's a good wrestler too. But I don't know if he's like if matchups with him are as interesting as they are with other people. I, I don't know. There's just something about him that it, him doing like the promos and stuff is 
almost as good as him wrestling. Whereas I think like the matchups that you can make with the Undertaker are the things that are really fascinating because he has the streak and he has the best match at WrestleMania every year now. So I don't know. There's just something about the combination of Brock versus the Undertaker that seems more interesting to me than than Rock versus Brock. I would actually say Cena Lesnar, which seems like it's coming rather soon, is also and Austin Lesnar are all more interesting <laughs> to me than Rock Lesnar. Um, I don't want to take away Steve Austin from CM Punk and ruin his year. Uh, I think with those six guys that are talked about for this um, thing coming up next year, you could mix and match them into lots of different combinations and come up with uh, three satisfying matches and then still have some left over for big WrestleMania 30, not in Madison Square Garden, whether that's Cena Undertaker after Lesnar Undertaker, or you'd still have the Rock Cena rematch if it hatches out the other way. And, of course, Daniel Bryan versus Shawn Michaels. <laughs> no, man. Listen, you got to do Daniel Bryan, Sheamus 3, and it <laughs> starts with, like, a finisher, and it seems like he's going to go down again, and he kicks out. I'm not even kidding. they got to <laughs> tell that story. <laughs> Well, he kicks out, but then they hit a second finisher and he loses. They do it every year and it gets one move longer. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I think he'll be a babyface by then just because, uh, you know, that's how this goes. People are charmed by the Daniel Bryan routine. So tell the but story it, of him being embarrassed two years in a row and he's not going to let it happen again. But I am uncomfortable with him telling women to shut up as a babyface spot. <laughs> so that, well, that makes me slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero was a liar, cheater, and thief, though. <laughs> he hit people with belts, Matt, and he accused other people of hitting him with a belt when they did not. And he took his shoes off. <laughs> yeah. Justin, it is okay to be mean to men. Oh. Hmm. Eddie Guerrero got his GED while in the WWE, so I, I don't know if that's a babyface move. I don't. So that's like you know that's like famous people getting going back like who dropped out of college going back for their honorary degrees, <laughs> but but also sadly different. I wonder if uh, college tried to offer him that. He's like, I didn't graduate high school, so this is right. So I got to fix this. <laughs> oh. It's uh, the night. Oh, yes, it is. Father. Matt Forestine is a graduate student, and I'm on spring break. So what do you guys say we go back and do the first manias? Or what do you want to do, SummerSlam? I'm ready. You and I did. I remember you and I did SummerSlam. Matt was, um, this is right after the Benoit thing. Matt wasn't in a, a wrestling mood. And you're like, I just watch Hard Knocks to Chris Benoit. <laughs> <laughs> Justin was defiant after he that. Was. He was. He's like, I was like, like, you know, I watched. I was like, I watched the Benoit match. I was okay with it. You're like, I watched the Hard Knocks dog <laughs> punching meat, man. It was immersion therapy. Who <laughs> died? <laughs> they're not gonna. They're not gonna ruin my fun. They're dead now. It doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. What are you gonna well, do? I, you know. To be honest, like when when we go over that in these shows, I usually just try and talk about what I thought about it at the time because. Clearly, it in historical context means nothing. Let's do the history of World War Three. Ooh, I like how there were like four World War Threes. <laughs> they never yeah. moved on to World War Four. Yeah, it's always World War Three. It was an ongoing <laughs> conflict. It'd be great if, like, every year they just made it another World War, and then 
like if there actually is another world war, <laughs> they follow the WCW. Yeah, they follow the WCW continuity. <laughs> so there's World War Two, oh. and and then World War Eight, and in the history books, world it just there's a footnote. World Wars three through seven were battle royals. <laughs> I went. I searched uh, for World War Three, and there's a Wikipedia entry, but it's just for the hypothetical conflict that denotes a successor. No respect to WCW granted at all, unless I look under disambiguation. So, uh, like, let's this, see. This Wikipedia like World War compendium does it say like antagonist World War One Central Powers Ottoman Empire World War Two Nazis Axis World War Three the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what I liked about World War Three is that they would have. What I liked about World War Three is that they had, um, is that they had like so many guys that just they never ever used. Then, like WWE needs to do that because they would probably they probably literally don't have sixty people employed who are male wrestlers, so they would just like it would be interesting to see who they would bring in because they probably couldn't even get enough legends to fill that out because look what they needed to do just for the Royal Rumble <laughs> they needed to have like all three announcers. Are, are you saying um, Pez Watley, Mike Winner, Super Assassin One and Two, and uh, Mark Starr are not worthy of a pay per view main event? Jimmy Graffiti. <laughs> Jimmy Graffiti. <laughs> or is it Johnny Graffiti? I don't know. It's Jimmy. Okay. Joey Mag's last stand was in those Worlds of War Three. He's like, I've been waiting for this. That's All I have problem. to do is make it out of Ring One, and then it's anybody's <laughs> ball game. See, I don't mind World of War Three, but I do, I do find the way they shot it to be extremely problematic. Like when they had them in the little boxes, and you really had no clue what was going on. They didn't book any spots. Like you'd think of if like WWE was doing it, they'd probably. Like, have a bunch of guys, like, I don't know, fall out of the ring or something and have some high spots early in the match. World War Three, like, they didn't bother booking any spots nope. until, like, there were three guys, like. <laughs> they were just like, do battle royal punches times three. I think to bring this full circle, I found those David Simon quotes and I'm going to read them. Oh, here we go. I do have a certain amused contempt for the number of people who walk sideways into the thing and act like they were there all along. It's selling more DVDs now than when it was on the air. But I'm indifferent to who thinks Omar is really cool now or that this is the best scene or this is the best season. It was conceived as a whole, and we did it as a whole. For people to be picking it apart now like it's a deck of cards or like they were there the whole time or they understood it the whole time, it's wearying because no one was there from in the beginning or the middle or even the end. Our numbers had to continue to decline from season two on. Well, I will say that must be just defensiveness because nobody likes season five. <laughs> but I, I don't know a single person person who watched The Wire in season one. I do know people who were watching it by, like, season three, but I don't know a single person who watched season one of The Wire while it aired. Well, at least they're less of a poser than, like, the Bill Simmons of the world. I was going to say, I guess David Simon didn't fill in his Grantland Wire <laughs> bracket. Ugh. Oh, well, those brackets were so annoying because it was like, they, they really did miss the point because they were like, we're going to rate this on who's the gulliest. And it was like, that is not what the show is about, man. So, but whatever, you know. Oh well. Alright, wow. I, I think we we covered both WrestleMania and World War Three. The Wire, Baltimore, the, f- the Great American Bash, <laughs> WrestleMania, Joe versus the World. Good night, America. <laughs> what ended there? Justin, do you have a Justin Shapiro show coming up? Yeah, uh, like I said, conceived of it as a monthly in your house leading into these, and I should have another one for this is a show for March, but it came late. So I'll have one for April. 
doing stuff. It's going to be, I'll just say, it's about NXT. So. Okay. <laughs> and some kind of NXT tribute. Yeah, do you have anything uh, to plug? I, I just want to say that when um, Daniel Bryan was killed early on in the season in The Wire, that was really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> when that Irishman did him in, he didn't even see it coming. <laughs> but they played a Pogue song in his honor. Uh, I guess I should plug the uh, Funtime Arcade if you haven't. It's really picking up. It, it is. Business is picking up. If you yeah, um, name, name drop, but our good friend Albert Ching was excited that you finally are getting to video games that he has actually played. I know. People are like, oh, finally, you're on my childhood. I'm like, I was in college when I played this. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to fight you. In revenge. <laughs> I call AKI man. Did you, you do um to... I'm Joe, did you do stop? Did... No, no, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not gonna talk over that. You should be able to be the truck driver. Would you? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> One of two sound cause like human voices in the game. One's Macho Man, the other is the truck driver saying what? Truck driver's uh, working name is Truck, and he is the <laughs> legacy of Tugboat. <laughs> Joe, did you ever um, review tag team wrestling for the NES? No, I haven't. <laughs> that's a, that's kind of on the list to go back and uh, when I get through good games. Because I, yeah, I remember renting that game. The, the way you play that game is you like punch a guy, and then a menu comes up, and you select a move to do, and it does it for you, which takes all the, you know takes all the, the human element out of it. Did, did you review Tecmo Wrestling? Oh, yeah, that was number two. Oh, I missed it. Oh. Shit, I'm going to go. I'm going to YouTube that right now. Do it. It's one thing to remember the numbers for those shows. Joe, you remember a lot of the numbers for the 60 episodes of VT Dub that you did. I, re- I really don't. Like, I have a rough idea what came when, but I don't remember. Oh, okay. Exactly. I largely, mostly know the, the YouTube stuff. I see. Kind of. Yeah, it's a big audio night. No, it's a big arcade. <laughs> Just say it. It's a lot of words. It's a, yeah. What is it's it? Yeah, fun time. Fun time arcade. Just uh, it's youtube.com slash Mike and Tom present, or just search uh, fun time arcade. It'll come up. It's also seen on the front page of uh, uh, wrestlingobserver.com slash f4wonline.com. Oh, I owe Brian Alvarez a dollar because Undertaker didn't do a dive in the Hell in a Cell. <laughs> Really? Bummed. Uh-oh. I know. I don't want to welch on that, so... You can take that off my non-comp subscription. <laughs> Hours of free labor. <laughs> I think for our next uh, reunion show, we should do the top ten moves of Shannon Moore. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll research that on YouTube. Yeah. Like, a lot of people say Morgasm. Me, I'm not so sure. God, I'm, t- I'm really tired right now. It's not, I just dropped out. I'm trying I to pump you up, but I, no, I, I savor what it is. Is I savor my time with you because it is a special thing. So huh. if you just promise that we can come back and do another show, I think I'll so. Let Maybe, you I mean, up. WrestleMania is in New York. That's you know within close distance. Yeah, it's like close. That. I mean, yeah, you like live at Giant Stadium, don't you? Yeah, I live in Brooklyn, so it's like. Yeah. Uh, less, you know, it's with no traffic. It's like 25 minutes from my house, so I don't really see any reason not to go. Except that, man, it was cold 
the day before WrestleMania this year, so it could quite easily be cold next year, and that'll suck. Yeah, we don't live in Siberia, okay? Well, <laughs> you, you, I mean, did you go to football games outside? I don't know if Me? you're football, but Me? No, people I watch. do, and they're okay about it, so I'm okay with this. It's not like you have to wear trunks like, you know, Daniel Bryan possibly I am a dresses. big... I'm a big, big pussy when I when it comes to the cold weather and also everything else. <laughs> All right, he will be my guide through the mean streets of New York City. <clears throat> he got me there. Actually, no, we walked across the street in Times Square, and then the light changed, and I was just like, "Well, this is it for me, Matt. I'm going to die now." He's knowing you. You seriously, if you like listening to Justin Shapiro, that was one of the most hilarious moments in history because he was just stuck in between like seven cars seven lanes of cars moving in different directions and he had no idea what to do and it was just a very it was a very Justin moment he was just like well let me think of a pun (laughs) I am polite and deferential to a fault so out there I was just like oh let's figure this out everybody but Matt can tell you I am like this in real life, right? Is this not <laughs> it's true? Uncomfortably so. There we go. So, yep. You'll have to have your own uh, Joe versus the World meet and greet and, uh, <laughs> at some big show, and we can meet a bunch of fine men and talk sure. talk Joe stuff. I'll bring my uh, N64 and nice. give you revenge. We'll have a Joe versus the World convention next year. The, Absolutely. The Joe, the Joe versus the World Empire will all uh, eat at some restaurant that is like not that good <laughs> and then the ESPN zone yeah and then that's as, well, as long as you're paying <laughs> I, was, so. I was like what an awesome reference and I was like oh wait that was just one thing me and Matt did together <laughs> <laughs> well, we didn't go to the ESPN zone yeah the line was too long we went to I yeah. think uh, TGI Fridays yeah cause you would only eat at chain restaurants <laughs> Um. Good, 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 good. If anyone is still listening, I appreciate it. We just passed the two-hour threshold. I have to be Joe, up about five hours. Yeah, so. yeah, I was gonna say Joe was like, "Motherfuckers, just shut up." Like, continue this off the air. All right. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back. Uh, Justin and I will do the 1994 at some point, and we'll bring Matt back too for some World War Four fun. So, till then, thanks for listening. And then I say a joke. I'm going to end it right there.